Next Chapter Podcasts. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new, hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. My man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. If you scootily it do when you're with your crew, cocaine, dan, dan, dan. Ah, man. Songs Cocaine is by Eric Clapton from his 1977 record, Slow Hand. It's also number 325 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, Fleece Army? Join the Patreon. We need your money. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Uh, We got some new hoodies, new merch coming out. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, Big thanks to everybody. Uh, that came to uh, the collective at Snowmass in Colorado, all the new fans, all the people that I met. Big shout out to Sarah. Uh, You rule. I had such a great time. Almost didn't make it back. Almost did not make it back in time. My flight kept getting canceled on Thursday, and I made it. Paid $450 to make a $50 spot at the Comedy Cellar. Money, 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 money. All right, y'all, Eric, Sir Eric Clapton. I think he was knighted. Um, We talk really, really in depth about this artist today, and I have a perfect guest to get us through the gushplooky, the one and only Adam Ferrara. Adam's an incredible comic actor. You've seen him on on Nurse Jackie, Rescue Me. He was the host of BBC's Top Gear. Has an incredible podcast called the Adam Ferrara Podcast. And this dude might be one of the nicest dudes in comedy. Uh, Hands down, we could have talked for hours. And I've been trying to get him on for a while. And it somehow worked out that Slow Hand was the record. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms and give us a five-star rating on Apple and leave us a review. Don't be a dick. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Uh, go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. Speaking of which, I have uh, the Goddamn Comedy Jam April 3rd at the Comedy Store for the 50th anniversary of the uh, Comedy Store. It's been around for a long, long time. Love that club. My family, my home. Um, March 21st, I'm doing Shimmy Shimmy Ya at the Comedy Store. April 9th, I am doing a goddamn comedy jam in uh, Connecticut. 
and uh, at the Wall Street Theater. And you can stream it live. Go to wallstreettheater.com for tickets. And then I will be at the Nashville Comedy Festival. I will be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival. I would be doing a shimmy shimmy ya in April at the Comedy Store. Lots of shows. JoshAdamMyers.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but here we go with number three, 25 and me. Slow hand. Bang, bang, bang. It's by Eric Clapton. Enjoy. So, so how do you have these connections to all these people? I had a podcast and I just, you know, <laughs> and that's it. Well, there's just like, just like this right well, here. Yeah. It's like, it's me. This is how I met so many other people. Yeah, it's like, well, it, there's a point of the, I, I guess for me, just when I started doing the podcast, I was like, who do I want to talk to? And these are the people I wanted to talk to and shit just starts happening. You know, I got a yeah. call from, from a, a friend of mine, Jay Keith Van Stratton, who does a, a game show called uh, Go Fact Yourself, NPR, he asked me to do it. And the basic premise of the show is you pick out something in pop culture or something you think you know a lot about. Yeah. So I picked out the who, who's next. So you do the game show, you play against somebody else. Uh, a friend of mine, Alicia Coppola, who played my wife on the CBS show, mm-hmm. um, she did it with me. Um, and then at the end of it, she gets an expert to see about her uh, answers, and I get an expert to see about my answers, but they don't tell you who it is. So... Jay Keith goes, and the expert for the who, who's next, is Glenn Johns. And I went, holy <laughs> shit, it's you. Josh, I scared the shit out of the poor man. And then they said, we also, <laughs> yeah, we also got Ethan Russell. <laughs> holy shit, it's you. So I met them there. He, this is a 70-year-old dude, dude from dude. England, and I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like George C. Scott and Patton. I read your book, you know, because I had the sound man book. So I flipped out and I asked the office to call. I said, do you think Glenn would do it? And he said, he goes, here's his number. Give him a call. And I went, I got Glenn Johnson's number. <laughs> and I called him. I was on the road somewhere and I called him and he goes, hello, mate. And I, I muted the phone. And I went, he called me, mate. Oh, I just, I flipped out. Oh, man. And the best thing was, Josh, he was such a fan of what, of, of the people he worked with. Because we, I, I did a thing on my episode where I just gave him names. Right, because yeah. he worked with so many people. He did Zeppelin One, the Stones. Yeah, he did. You know, the I was Eagles. looking through it as we were going through this record. Yeah, I was on the he plate. did this one. He did. Slowly. He did. Yeah. And I asked him. I said, "What about Clapton?" And he went. His eyes went up. You could just see the joy in his face. Really? Like, he said, "When Eric plays, it goes from his heart through his fingers. It doesn't go via his brain." Wow. That's what he said. And then I got a chance to hang out with uh, Levon Helm <laughs> before he died. I was up at the Ramble. <laughs> Because my buddy, you know, as you do, a summer there. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I, my, my, I was, I, I was on a TV show. My buddy was on the TV show. Has his house next to him in Woodstock. Yeah, John Skirty, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Skirty's got the house. He's like, come up, Levon's doing the Ramble, and the Ramble was the show he had at his yeah, barn. Yeah, I've because, heard about that legendary. Yes, pay your taxes, kids. That's why, <laughs> pay your taxes. So I went over. We had a nice dinner. It was, it was a winter night. We're walking. We got, we got a little bit of a buzz going. He, I got a, I got a red solo cup with a touch of bourbon in it. You yeah. know, for medicinal purposes. We're walking. The snow 100%. is crunching. I'm standing six feet from Levon as he's doing the weight. No way. Swear to God, I'm this close, and I got to. Hang, he's telling stories afterwards. He's smoking these these camels down to the filter, just telling stories. And I, I shared that with. Uh, with Glenn, he got excited. Really? Because he knew how that, special that how was special and how that cool was. that is. Yeah. And what a great storyteller is. Yeah. So I was so struck by 
this man, that's this accomplished man, this was right before um, the, uh, Get Back came back, the, the documentary, which he's in, and Ethan Russell's in, and they were telling me all kinds of stories about it, and I asked him. It was right before that came out. And he still has that feeling of, of, of being in that room. You could see it. it, it it's, it's coming out of him. There's just a, a it's, joy is the only I, way. I, I, can, I can only imagine what I that's like to have a, to look back at your career and, yeah. and see all the people that you've worked with yeah. when you were just like, I was just this little dude from Britain that, yeah. you know, that never thought, you know, my dad didn't do this and my mom didn't do that and this is what we had and look what I've become. Yeah. I, mean, I told him, I said, that you're, the art you guys created has been my companion for since I've heard it, I've I've traveled with these things. So these are things I hold dear. So because this is what I want to get to yeah. is like how how did this love for music start? I mean, you for grew me, up where? I grew up in Long Island. You, okay, Long Island. I mean, you got Billy Joel. Yep, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a good one. Blue Oyster Cult. Okay, yeah, dude, more cowbell for sure. Yeah, dude. I'll throw them in with yeah. Billy Joel, Blue the greatest. Pepe Marcello performer. and the Good Rats. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> Big Orange Cone. They're a cover band that I saw at my cousin's bar mitzvah in Nassau. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what it was for me, it was radio, and it was there was a weird thing. I I I had a guitar teacher. Yeah, who who really opened my mind for this whole thing okay. for for music, and it was being like. The older kids, because music was different then. It carried a message. I missed it. I missed. When it is all. this? Give me, give me like a. I was born in '66. Okay, right? so, so I born six. So I missed it. It was funny. I was talking about this, and I'm gonna drop a name. Please, there it is. <laughs> I had Stevie Van Zant on my show. Ah, okay. Right? So it's, and I read his book, and I was bullshitting with him, and he was. He told me that he missed the first generation of rock and roll. You know, Little Richard and all that. Sure, stuff. yeah. And the second generation, and what he said about when, um, I think it was John Landau said, "I've seen the future of rock and roll in this Bruce Springsteen." Right, that's the famous quote. Wasn't right? he also working with him though? And he's just yeah, like, it's, it's like a little free promo. Okay, okay. he wanted a job there. Yeah. We said, okay. future yes. is Nickelback. By yes. the way, I'm producing their next three albums. We have a, we have a, we have a, we have a six record deal. Uh, so I missed, I missed this, I missed everything. I came into it in my formative years. The Edge was punk. Um, and disco and disco really didn't funk. I like because it's on the one. You yeah, know, you, it's popping on the one. Yeah, but disco is that four on the floor beat that that didn't really speak to me. Mm -hmm. And punk was the edge, and I was like, well, look, I I know three chords, but I'm not that angry. Yeah, and it's... I'm and I'm not putting a needle through my face. So <laughs> that's the thing. If I can do it, yeah. yeah. I said, and jam bands bother me too. Look, I don't want to show up for rehearsal. Get the song together. <laughs> And I'll beat it. You buy the guitar solo. It's going to be 25 minutes long. Yeah. Just go, go into the next song. Yeah, okay. We got it. Wait, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> so I went backwards because I was playing, you know, I, I got this guitar teacher. And he just opened my mind to all this stuff. And then, uh, you, did, you, did you grow up with the Columbia Record and Tape Club? Of course, everybody did. Oh, so 25 cents, man. You get 10 albums. 25, a penny. You get 10 Oh, was for it? A yeah, okay. I, I, they, by, the, by the time I got it, it was 25 cents. I, it was a penny. We did. That was a penny. And, when and they, you and, taped it. Yeah. And you taped it, and then you went and you sold them at the flea market. You sold the albums at the flea market because you taped it. And then when, you would order more, and when they stopped sending it to your address, you'd send them to your neighbor's address. Yes. 
and then you'd get them and you go to the flea market. I had done that. Yeah. yeah. You had to work to fence stolen shit when I was a kid, kids. <laughs> Couldn't go on eBay. Had to get in the car. Yeah. You, anybody trying to buy a Blue Oyster Colt record? Yeah. Live? No, don't fear the Reaper. Right, okay. Don't, don't, it feels like you're fearing the Reaper. Uh-huh. Don't fear this. Don't fear. You, you buy go. this. This I'll is give, all for you. I bought it for, I bought it for one tenth of a penny. I'll sell it to you for 35 cents. You know what the <laughs> nice thing is when you went down there? If what? you knew the code, you can get fireworks. Really? Tri-County Flea Market on <laughs> Long Island. was uh, It's right by Governor's Comedy Club. You would go there, and you would you'd walk up to one of those guys selling shit. you go, is this all you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this all you got? You mean, is this, is this it? it? It's like, mm, maybe, maybe, I'm on a break. Meet me outside. You open up the trunk, and you yeah. get bottle rockets. Yeah, dude. Then you put them in the end of a wiffle ball back because it had the hole, and then you had a bazooka. You, would, you could aim them. I, I love that. I, there's nothing better than than getting like something on the side that's yeah. not out there. It's yeah. like I love that. There's a cigar lounge in, in L.A. right next to the Improv, mm-hmm. and they have the back room. Yeah. And I go, is, is this all you got? You got anything in? Uh, you got a back room? And they're just like, oh, oh, come on, <laughs> got some Cubans for you. <laughs> so he would, he would, um, <laughs> my guitar teacher would teach me, and I would learn songs before I heard them. Mm-hmm. He, he taught me "Friend of the Devil" by. Uh, Grateful Dead I never heard the song I learned how to play it first Really? Yeah And then he would He he curated um, One of my halls From Columbia Record and Tape Club <laughs> Really? So he was like Alright you're gonna get this He said get so this So he schooled you This and this yeah. Wow that's cool And I was like This is amazing And that's where I got In that hall was The Who uh, Who's Next Okay Amazing to me It was uh, Billy Joel 50 sec- uh, Not 52nd Street uh, The Stranger no. Oh my God! Yeah, um, it was uh, it was clapped. It was it was uh, Derek and the Dominoes. It was Cream, Disraeli Gears, and it was Slowhand. Wow. Yeah. So, but the first time I heard him, because I'm a, I, I know you're a Beatles freak, so am I. Love him. Yeah. So I'm a Beatles freak. So I was listening to. Um, before, I remember the first time I heard my guitar gently weeps. So I went. That's not George, you know, because he wasn't. Yeah. You know, he goes, no, that's Eric. My guitar, you know, that's Eric Clapton. Get these albums. So I got the albums and I was listening to him and it was different. He was changing, right? And I remember playing him Layla. I was very excited when he came over my house. I was blasting it. And I said, how do I get that sound? What amp is he using to make that sound? He goes, that's not his amp. That's his soul. Fuck. And I went, oh. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew something was possible. You know? Like I I couldn't say, at that moment the sky opened for me, Josh. No, I just (laughs) went, Holy shit! There's a deeper thing here than yeah. a, than offended twin. The feel. Reverb. It's the feel. Yeah. It's the thing that uh, everybody that ever I've ever jammed with playing music has said. It's like you can learn it. You can learn it. You can know it so technically. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 ridiculous. But ultimately, it comes down to the feel. Either yeah. you have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you might as well, well quit it's, your it's band. Well, feel and it's your tone. It's your feel and your sound. Like I was sure. Thinking, yeah. As a guitar player, yeah, for yeah. sure. Here comes another name. I had Steve Vai on my podcast. Oh, I, I've had. Joe Satriani is teacher. There you go, his teacher, yeah. From Long Island. Is he really? Calm place, Long Island. Maybe he said that, I just was too nervous. He actually helped me, him, he helped me with, uh, like, wanting to do stand-up. I'll tell you why. Steve Vai or or Satriani? No, no, just the fact. Both? Both of them, and they had nothing to do with it. The fact that they came from Long Island. And did something like that. You were you were like I, I can do like, anything. I was like, well, this guy's from Carl Place. Fuck, I can do something. I'm from Huntington. Yeah. I almost only a couple stops on the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be, I think it it made it it kind of gave me permission or let me knew it was possible because someone from where I was from did it. 
Does that make yeah. sense? No, oh, no, I totally get it. Yeah. It's because, it, well, I, Long Island is, I mean, it's right outside of the city, so you're so close to it. So the world is there. Yeah. But Long Island also feels like a total, it could be, oh, it feels sure. like a thousand miles away yeah. from New York City. It's a Native American word. It means near the mall. <laughs> Rich Jew. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. So, um... So anyway, so that's yeah. when I learned about tone and sound. It's and Eric and Clapton has that. You know he's playing. He's got that. Uh, Eddie Van Halen's got that. Um, Steve Vai's got that. I think you know he's I playing. think I think Slash has that. Yeah, I feel like Slash, Slash from Guns N' Roses. Slash will have. He has that 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 high kind of. Yeah, yeah. He's a really. Yeah. Uh, you could put on any any Guns N' Roses. Well, not even just Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Anything he's ever done, and the, yeah. that's the solos always have the same tone. Yeah. And I love that. That's yeah. what I'm attracted to, just yeah. like you were attracted to Clapton. Yeah. So, and and um, uh, Pete Townsend, he's got, because he was, a, um, a, his, the way he plays, I can, Robbie Krieger, too. Yeah. I can hear that. Chet Atkins, Segovia, if, you know, he's got it, too. So yeah. did you just, when you started getting into Clapton, were you trying to imitate what he was doing? Yes. I mean, yes. and that just kind of Everything like, I was playing through my guitar, I was screaming for Patty Boyd. That's what I was doing. We're, we'll talk about her. Yeah. Well, do you want to do it? We can do it later. No, no, we can we do it now. We'll no, do it later when we get to we'll Wonderful get to Tonight. Song, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was trying to do that. And then I was trying to do Townsend because I love the Who. Because I saw Ethan Russell's pictures of 1973, Who in rehearsal. And Townsend is 14 feet in the air yeah. with a Les Paul. And I'm like, holy shit. And he did the windmills and stuff. And I was just like... Wow, I didn't understand a lot of the music when I got older. I understood what he was, what he was talking sure. about. Sure, but as a kid, you're just like as a kid, you yeah, you don't even get you're it. Just amazed by the whole thing. Yeah, they're and, gods. And then you see the depth of what he was doing. I mean, who's next was you know you know the story. with who's next? Was I don't. Doing. All right, who's next was written to follow up Tommy, another rock opera. It was an opera called Lifehouse. Okay, all right, and it was supposed to be this. Uh, he couldn't be deaf, dumb, and blind, so he couldn't travel. That was the, the, the deal with the Lifehouse Opera. So he took his character, and he put him in a suit, and he would live pretend life. Basically, what he did was he saw the future. He put the Oculus on his head, yeah. and, and he put an anal spike to get shit in and out of the body, <laughs> and you didn't move. You couldn't move. You couldn't go anywhere, and that's what it was about. And rock and roll was this subversive algorithm where people would gather in the field at night yeah. and try and, you know— Try and live live a normal life. You know that's what teenage wasteland's about. It's not about getting wasted. About wasted opportunity. And they said, "I'm out here in the field. I'm far from my meals. I'm off the grid." I'm see. I don't know enough about the Who, man. 
Oh, it's, I, I just I know. I, I like that's why I'm doing this because it's yeah. like it's it's a band that I'm like I feel like I should know yeah. way more shit. Well, here's the thing is about that period of time. See, I'm I'm album rock. That's what I come from. Freewheeling Bob Dylan. By the way, never I I, I can respect it and appreciate it. Never really spoke to me. Yeah. Oh, nah, I'm, dude, I, I, I missed it. Dude, I missed it. I say this all the time in the podcast. I'm doing Bob Dylan so wrong because because in this list, I never listened to any Bob Dylan except mm. for you know the hits. And they got me starting with his like newer albums mm -hmm. and then going back, which, so it's like, you're going for these ones that every song is eight minutes long. Yeah. And it's like, it's all about like Jesus and like, well, the devil came down and, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just got pancake so, makeup on. Oh, it's so long and boring. And I'm like, get to the fucking blood on the tracks, yeah. man. Yeah. So I, listen, I don't hate him. No, I just, just I'm not I, digging I, him yet. I miss the window of appreciation where he would talk to me. That's, that's, but, but this is the thing. Yeah. When I get to that, yeah. I'll be like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. This other shit, you know, a time out of mind, it's not a horrible record. It's a good record if mm. you hear it after you hear all this stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that was what's cool about your your teacher to then give you these, I mean, Derek and the Dominoes. Great. Uh, you said Cream. Cream. And then Slow Hand. Slow and hand. was there anything else? I, I, went on, I went on my own and I found uh, Ocean Boulevard. 461 which oh fuck dude mainline florida mm -hmm. so so truth be told uh my first clapped in full record besides unplugged mm -hmm. because i got caught up in that when that yeah. came out and yeah. i think everybody did because i was so huge yeah. um but and i never really did, did like i knew the hits of cream i knew the hits of Derek and the dominoes so when we did uh that record with mainline florida on it mm -hmm. It like the album was good, but Mainline Florida was like top ten songs I've heard from doing this podcast. Yeah, I fucking love that song. Yeah. Um, well, you know the story what how that album came about, right? He uh, refresher basically when he was on drugs and then he heroin stupor. Yeah, heroin stupor. It was just like you know he wasn't leaving the house. Uh, actually, Pete Townsend went and got him. That's what the Rainbow concert was because he was doing he was doing heroin with. Uh, a woman named Alice, whose father was, I'm I think he was a an ambassador uh, to the United States during the Kennedy administration. I think. Okay. I think. Anyway. Um, means the heroin was good. Heroin, yeah. <laughs> means, this isn't shit that was Alice, stepped on. Alice could get the fucking this fire was, heroin. Yeah, they yeah. were chasing the dragon. <laughs> Big ass dragon. They found him. They, they, found they him. got to they the dragon. They caught him. <laughs> so they were living together, and he was worried about it, and... He knew Pete Townsend, and he said, "I'm very concerned about Eric." And he went to see him, and he was very cordial, very. So, Townsend said uh, he he didn't want to rescue Eric. He wanted just to stimulate him and get him to do shit. So he put together the the Rainbow concert, and he got got off heroin to do the Rainbow concert. Yeah, um, and that's what kind of got him out of it. Then he went back in again, but then he came out of it again. And then when he came out of it, Stigwood, his manager, already put together the sessions in Miami. He got he got uh, Tom Dowd, I think it was Tom Dowd, who who did Israeli Gears. Okay. The guys, because the first Cream album they did in London, and Ahmed Erdogan from Atlantic said, mm, mm, you're kind of wandering. Next one you got to do here in the States. So they said, okay. So they came to Atlantic, which was the home of Aretha Franklin. Yeah. You know, Booker T, MGs. Right. It was all those guys, right? Uh, so Felix Papalardi, who produced it, went Tom Down, who engineered it. Tom Down actually had a sound, and him and Eric became friends there. So Stigwood knew this and got him. Papalardi was the one that made Strange Brew. Strange Brew is is an old blues it's hey lordy mama 
but he changed the 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 words. And I just he, <laughs> and he put it into like a McCartney esque pop. The more you say Papalardi, I'm like, is that that pizza shop on Forty Second? Yes, Papalardi. <laughs> you get the garlic knots, <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh yeah, <laughs> you get a large piece, you get a half a dozen garlic knots <laughs> for on. free. Come back, come back. What are you doing? This you got a frequent Sinatra ate here a couple times. That's why that's his seat over there. Yeah, he went to the bathroom. Yeah. So when he came out of the heroin stupor, it was all set up for him. So is that record, because I just, I have this shit here in front of me, but yeah. I feel like you know this. Is that record before or after this? Because this it's is before. the fifth. It's before. This is the fifth solo fifth record. Fifth solo. The first solo album, you could see him sitting there in the white suit with the black uh, Stratocaster. Yeah. Looking like, take the picture, I need a fix. <laughs> um, but it had After Midnight, the J.J. Kale yes. song. Yes, yes, yes. So it there's did. this, um, then the, I think it was Ocean Boulevard after that. Then there was two... I'm forgetting what was after that. Oh, one in every crowd. Okay. Um, and I don't. I think after one in every crowd, uh, he started playing with. Uh, he was guesting on people's stuff, and I then I think it was Slow Hand, which was this one. And so you know, we're we're talking about all of this stuff uh, uh, about him, and we're mm -hmm. talking about like that first record because this sounds nothing really like from everything I know about Ocean Boulevard. Uh, it's it's. I think most of the songs were yeah. already were written by other artists. Yeah, he, he covered Marley. That was the big hit. He covered Marley. I, I think Mainline. I know he didn't write that, mm -hmm. but that's. I mean, like I said, that's hands down one of my favorite records ever. That, that song, uh, not the record in particular, but um, from from this, I mean, how much do you think he changed? Because there's not much of a story behind this album the, you know all i have and we do the spiel is, mm -hmm. is this is his fifth studio record it's released in november 1977 it's produced uh by glenn johns who we've been talking about and Clip clapton specifically sought out because of his work with the rolling stones and the eagles mm -hmm. uh although clapton and his band were intoxicated nearly all the time when recording see that line right there i thought he was sober no, after he, he was off heroin he was shit he was kennedy drunk by his own admission. Really? Yeah, I, I, in his autobiography, he goes, we were shit-faced. And Glenn Johns doesn't, doesn't like you fucking around in the studio. Keith Richards, in his book Life, called Glenn Johns the uh, designated driver of rock and roll. Really? <laughs> yeah, because he didn't, he goes, are we here to work? And I, How old is he when, when they're working on this? Do you know? I mean, I don't, I could look I it up. We got to look it up. I don't know. But he, uh, he was, at this point, Glenn was doing, you got to realize, he's already been through. He was the engineer on on. Um, I mean, it's an my generation. He started that you know way back then. He was he was he started with the Stones. He's Jimmy Page lived down the block from him. They all knew each other. I mean, looking at this list: Zeppelin, the Stones, the Beatles for the Get Back Sessions, mm -hmm. the Who, Bob Dylan, Linda Ronstadt, the band Clapton, the Clash, Ryan Adams, yeah. Steve Miller. I mean, Small Faces. I'm just seeing the other ones: Blue Oyster Cult. Told you, uh, Midnight Oil. Fuck yeah! There you How go. do whiskey wine a doodle doodle? <laughs> Fucking love that song, dude. The Belly, Joe Satriani. I mean, the list is is yeah. incredible. And you know who he told me he always wanted to work with? Who? Springsteen. Really? Yeah, but John had the lock on that shit, didn't he? Landau? I, I guess he did. Did Landau produce? I think Landau, Landau produced. Landau produced, uh, yeah. I think, Born to Run, but, and I, I don't know. I think he did. I think he did The Rising. He did do the right I, all I, the way up to that. I, 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 fuck, I wish we had Adam here. This is the one thing about that sucks about doing this live, mm -hmm. which is so much better. But Adam, I need the dude here going yeah. like the producer, looking yeah. up. Adam, I miss you. Yeah. If you're out there, you fucker. How could you leave us? He's in. So you San know what's Francisco. funny? What? I'll, I'll tell you a quick story where you looked this up about uh, Springsteen. Yeah. So I'm talking to Van Zandt, right? And uh, 
he he left the E Street Band. They didn't throw him out. He left. Really? Yeah, he left during the River Tour. He left. And I said, I didn't know where you were. I said, because I went to, because I used to go, you know, I saw the River Tour. And I remember screaming, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. But for like two hours after that, I'm like, hey, Bruce, I got to go to work. <laughs> you don't let's, like a four-hour let's, concert? Let's, let's pick this up, man. I got traffic getting out of Jersey. Play Rosalita. And let me get that. <laughs> Clarence, blow the horn. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I made Van Zant laugh, which made me happy. But then I went back and I saw the Born in the USA tour. And he wasn't on it. I was like, what the fuck? Nils Lofgren is bouncing on a trampoline. What are we doing here? And he wasn't there. But he's back in the band now. He should be. I mean, the E Street Band needs to fucking be together. Mm-hmm. All right, so I was wrong. It was Brendan O'Brien, right? Who's produced? I know he did. Uh, he did the Chili Peppers. He did the Black Crows, Stone mm-hmm. Temple Pilots. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, he's and Springsteen and mm-hmm. ACDC. Um, so, so, so this record. Well, first, because I have so many questions to ask. Yeah. Um, I guess I just ask, like, what are your thoughts? On this record, before we start breaking down any tracks, like what do you? Because look, I, I can sit here and overall, say, overall. I mean, like it was important to me as a kid. Looking back to it, it's it's three great singles. The core, which I think is a malign, which should get more credit. The song, the core, should get more credit. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, um, uh, is are close. I, I, I and here's how I not, not this is what kind of asshole I am. Would you bring notes? No, I, I brought the songs and how I would fix them for my taste. Oh God, bless your soul. Yeah. So yeah, JJ Kale the cover. I like the way the album starts. I mean, you, you want to? I don't know if you want to get the tracks, but no, we can do it. Do we? Overall, I looking back at it, I, I, it was important to me at the time. Now that I'm looking back, I can see the holes in it. Well, what did you think when you first heard Slowhand back in in the seventies? I was I was I couldn't articulate the fact that I that I can now. Where I say that's sure. a great song. That's a great song. Yeah, I'm skipping that song. I'm yes. skipping that one. Yes. That one doesn't speak to me. That one doesn't go anywhere. Did at the time, though, those speak to you, though? I, no. Or at the time, just... I just skipped them. Yeah. I just skipped them and went to the ones I wanted and yeah. didn't give any regard to... It's not like it was a whole album I could put on. I See, there was a few out Like The Who, I could put on. You know, front to back. Front to back. And they were finished. You know, we you had to get up and change the record. And you, you wanted to feel satisfied at the end. And that's one of my quibbles with the way they set this up. It ends with the Don Williams song, and I know why, because he was in this cowboy phase, and they did it no Peaches and Diesel? No. Uh, it, mean it, Old Frisco. S- no, Side End, uh, We're All the... Uh, we're talking about Side One? Side One. All okay. The, all the, all, uh, we're All the Way. We're All the Way, yeah. It's Don Williams. So, mm, I listened to it. First of all, it's not that much different from the original, so why are you doing it? And Don Williams' voice is more present in his original. And Eric is back. You got to remember, it's like, I love his throaty delivery. It wasn't a choice. He was loaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go, I, I think I'll do it like this. He goes, this is the only way I can do yeah, it because yeah, yeah. I'm shit-faced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I'm really trying to figure out why this record is on the 500 greatest I'll tell you why. It's, it's, the, it's the hits. It's, first of all, it starts out like a, it just grabs you. Cocaine starts. It's like you, you've entered uh, the, the concert that's already on. Okay. You're in it. Like, holy shit, there's something going on. Yeah. And it's a great song, J.J. Kale song. It's a great fucking song. Then they hit you with the next great song, Wonderful Tonight. I have thoughts on it, but let's just go with the Sure, the sure. Yeah, of course. Right? Then Lay Down Sally. There's the three big hits right off the bat. Holy shit. So now you get one for free. Next time uh, you see her, which he wrote. Here's my problem with that. If you've heard the song, it's, it wants to be a story song, and it doesn't have an end. 
Because if you heard uh, Next Time You See Her, it's Clapton talking to the guy that's now dating his ex. He's like, next time you see her, tell your lover, and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, it says next time you see him, Eric will kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it, it, it escalates. And he does it very softly. And it escalates to next time you see her, you know, tell her I love her, and I'm going to kill you. And then it goes into the solo. Yeah, right. I, here's and, what's funny. I then, thought about next time you see her. I was like, this sounds like the melody that could be used for like a Jimmy Dean breakfast sauces commercial. Yeah. It's very just. But yeah. there's a thread in it at the end. Yeah, I mean, there's a story. I didn't. You know what's funny is I didn't catch that story until I saw what Adam wrote. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, man. Well, here's the thing with the story is it doesn't going. end. He, he. Next time I see, I'm gonna kill you. Then it goes into the solo. So now the solo is musically supposed to pick up the sentiment of what he's saying, and there's no like dirt on the guitar. There's no. I want the solo to be a little threatening or sure. menacing because that's what. It, and then I want a resolution after the solo. He just repeats, "I'll kill you," and that's the end of the song. Where's? Give me something. Yeah. Like next time you see, we're like, it was just a joke, Your Honor. You know, something. <laughs> I was just playing around. Yeah, just something. <laughs> uh, that was a tease. <laughs> yeah. So it took me half the way there, and it didn't. It didn't finish. And yeah, I don't dude. think you're gonna end a side one with World. Here's what I would do. I would end the side one with Lay Down Sally, only because the song doesn't stop. It just trails off and fades out. So it makes you feel like there's more to come, and then you turn the record over. Dude, I think. And I and I listened to this maybe six times yesterday, mm-hmm. and then another three or four before over the weeks cut prior. Right. Uh, I think by putting those first three songs up top, you ruin the rest of the record. Yeah. Like and you texted me last night. Yeah, it's Top heavy. It, it is beyond top heavy. Yeah. It's like, dude, you could cut this. Could this album could be five songs? Mm. Uh, in my opinion, could have been an EP. I, I yeah, and I mean, and it, what what a what, what a, a miracle of an EP that would have been to mm-hmm. release to, to release those three and then yeah. throw in maybe I don't know. Like I like the core, but it's still there's just uh, dude Peaches and Diesel just like why is that on the record? I like, agree with you. The only reason I can see because if you listen to it, there's a a reiteration, a slight reiteration of Wonderful Tonight, the lead, the way he bends and the notes. You can hear a little bit of the connective tissue in there, and that's the only thing. Like, if you want to make this thing like a symphonic piece, because there's a reiteration at the end. But other than that, I agree with you. I don't know why it's in there. I, I just, I was just like, man, like the only thing, like, because we weren't even like number one hits. Not all of them. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, like, all right, so let's let's talk about some of the tracks that we we brought up so far. Okay. We brought up the three ones that I really want to talk about mm-hmm. are are cocaine. Uh, and if you've never heard it, uh, listeners out there, uh, it is not pro-Coke. This is supposed to be anti-Coke. Well, it was when he sang it. Now it's anti-Coke when he sings it because he says dirty Coke. Yeah, 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 yeah. He changed. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. This is going to stop anybody. No. You know, but he's doing what he needs to do for him. If you, dude, if I was still doing Coke and I went to see Clapton mm-hmm. and he plays this song, I am 100%, you know, going to pull out my little bag, do a sure. bump and be like, Cocaine! Yeah. 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 This fucking spreading. He wrote this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so for everybody that doesn't know, the lyrics are about drug addiction, something Clapton knew very well. As he explained in his autobiography, he had kicked a serious heroin habit by filling his body with cocaine and alcohol. His attitude at the time was that he could manage his addiction and quit at any time. He just didn't want to. That's why he could sing so objectively about a drug that was consuming him. When he finally did get off drugs, he had to learn how to make music while sober, which is a big transition because everything sounded very rough to him. Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned the the dirty cocaine line. Uh, a lot of fans 
really took it the way that I would have taken this. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't sound anti. It's not enough. Like no. you know, you gonna suck a dick yeah. for a <laughs> gram of coke, cocaine, gang, gang, gang. <laughs> you got a pretty mouth. You're yeah. gonna sell everything in your house. <laughs> cocaine. You stole your bubby's jewelry and you're <laughs> in it. Cocaine. Uh, so, a couple of little weird facts. The, the the cocaine was censored and removed from the Argentinian edition of the album in late. That's good. Yeah. Now South America's got a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, Argentina? Come on, man. The ban was lifted in 84. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. This is one of Clapton's most famous songs, but the studio version was never released as a single. It peaked at number 30 in the U.S., number three in Canada, mm-hmm. and number one in Middle Earth, New Zealand. Okay. Um, great way to open the record. I agree. You, it's, it's already going. You're on a train. It Let's kicks go. you. It's it just right for the, it, this, the way it starts, the, the solos, the, the chorus. Like, this is an iconic Eric Clapton song. I think when you put out the top... Would you say this is in his top 10? It's a song that I want to hear when I go see him. Yeah. I want to hear this. I want to hear Crossroads. I want to hear Strange Brew. I want to hear Tears in Heaven. I want to hear Wonderful Tonight. I want to hear After Midnight. Yeah. I want to hear all this. Stuff. What about I can change the world, the world? If he plays it last, I'll get out to beat the traffic. What's he close? Have you seen him live? I have not. I met him. Come on, dude. Okay, right, okay. I, let, let me rephrase. I met him. I ran into him at the Beverly Center. He nah, asked me for directions. I'm not making it up. I'm in the Beverly Center. <laughs> Somebody taps me up. He goes, excuse me, mate. Do you know where the Warner Brothers store is? And I, Josh, I went, I stopped. No and I went, fucking way, dude. I, this is what I said. Hey, you him? <laughs> and he laughed, and I pointed. I couldn't speak. I pointed. He walked away. He goes, thanks, mate. As he's walking away, yeah. I said, thanks for Layla. That's, <laughs> and he just kept walking. That was it. Oh, God. That's so We got the same doctor, though. We got this for my knee. Yeah, really? His picture's hanging up in the doctor. What's, what's wrong with his? Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the chart, Josh. I just saw the picture. I would have thought it would have been like a wrist or an elbow. Mm. He's not moving around that much. He broke his toe after, after Ocean Boulevard came out, right? He got, he's, got, he's got a shitload of money from I Shot the Sheriff. Stigwood, and the tax rate in, in, in the UK was a nightmare. Yeah. So Stigwood I think goes, it still is, right? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the money to know it's <laughs> yeah, going to affect yeah, me. But he said, go live in the Bahamas for a month because you're going to get killed with taxes. Yeah. So they rent a mansion. They're shit-faced. Him and Patty Boyd are shit-faced. They're having a, a playful fight, is the way he said it in the book. She locks herself in the bathroom. He tries to kick the door down, breaks his toe. Nice. Yeah, he's in a Jamaican hospital wrapping up his toe. Oh, I bet he is. He's got a horrible temper, I bet. Uh, when he was drinking, yeah. He yeah, did, he, he would, just... Do, you know, this. I'm going to jump to this right now because uh, I just feel like this is a perfect time to bring this up. So I right. take Patreon questions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Al McLeod, I hope I said that right, M-C-C-L-E-O-D, does the fact that Eric Clapton, who, mm. and we might talk about if this is the right phrasing or not, is a flat-out terrible person, right? affect the enjoyment of his music for you and your guest? Well, it's 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 the question of, first of all, thanks. Thank, thank you, Al. Thank you, Al, for the question. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. Thank you so much, bro. Al, check out the Adam <laughs> Ferrara podcast. Check it out. Fucking subscribe to that Patreon. Yes, I got to get one of those too. <laughs> um, so it's the question of separating the artist from the art. Can you do that? Um, and it's a question you have to, I mean, it's like a Woody Allen movie. Jim Norton has one of the best jokes about what this topic. It? Uh, Norton, it just kills me. He goes, suppose, and I'm butchering it, so Jim, I, I apologize. Uh, suppose you heard Alexander Graham Bell uh, was a pedophile. You, you, right? You're not going to use electricity. You, 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 yeah, the telephone. You're stop picking up the, the phone. Yeah, that was Edison. Yeah, Graham Bell was a telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. God, I, I'm an idiot. I don't know history. That's all right. <laughs> I butchered the butcher. That's all right. I, I butchered the joke. <laughs> but that's the thing. Can you separate the artist from the art? You know. I mean, uh, look, we need the telephone. We need the telephone. Do we need the song uh, Layla? Yeah, I do. I I'll tell you what. I'll give you. I'll give you peaches and diesel. <laughs> I'll give you two I'll, peaches. I'll give you two peaches and diesel. I'll give you mean old Frisco. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll throw I'll in give the you, song I'll, with Babyface. Yeah, we're all the we're all the way. And I'll give you that. And I'll give you the backless album that followed this album. I'll give you that too. What, so I mean, look, what, like the what are the bad things that we've learned about Eric Clapton over the years? Do you know? I know. I, I don't know. I just know from his autobiographies, he's self admitting. He self-admits his his wrongdoing. This is a great story. I'll tell you a story. Yo, please. He's in the Bahamas, right? He's flying to Tulsa to do this to to, to play this gig. Shit faced on the plane. Get, he, like they called the head. The pilot called the head. Gone. There's some English guy. You guys got to come take him away, right? Yeah. I'm Eric Clapton. Get in the car. <laughs> Get in the car. <laughs> so they're, they're, he's, they're booking him. He goes, are you Eric Patrick Clapton? You don't have the right to use my middle name. How dare you? He goes, Get in there. He goes, I'm Eric Clapton. No, you're not. Get me a guitar and I'll prove it. No fucking way. They brought him a guitar. He's playing the guitar. They dropped the charges. They're taking pictures with him. They let him go. Oh, my God. But this is He wrote this, right? He wrote the autobiography. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, Eric. According to the book. Yeah, got to embellish. But the a little shit bit. he admits to doing is, you know, I think it's. Look, I'm not a friend of Bill's when it comes to recovery. I know who he is. We 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 love a lot of the same people. Sure, but I know there's a step, and I'm and for any people that are in the program, I apologize if because of my ignorance. I think step five is where you got to make amends to people and shit. Yeah. So four four is where you dig in yeah. and you find it, and five is when so you, when I, you I, apologize. This book was you could see how much of this book was that for him well what about now with like the anti-vaccination stuff and it feels like he's which look the right or wrong it, he had neuropathy though i think he had neuropathy before he got the injection he had a nervous um some kind of condition look i i got both vaccines i wear a mask i got i but i josh i have a pre-existing condition i'm a pussy <laughs> i'm a pussy <laughs> with too. questionable health care yeah. <laughs> so i'm wearing a condom right now myers i don't know where the fuck you've been 
So it goes back to can you separate the artist from the art? I think that's what it is. And he didn't he didn't do anything as bad as like what Michael Jackson's being accused mm-hmm. of or R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. It's just he's known as being a dick. Okay. He's known as being like a, but I mean when dude Axel Rose is woman cuddling? You still gonna I, listen to Welcome to the Jungle, right? Yeah, but I Man, he hasn't done anything bad enough for me to turn anything off. Mm-hmm. It was just he's a he was a dick. Okay, that, a that's the point. Can, he's a diva dick. Can you can you separate the artist from the art and and what is your line in the sand? I don't I don't think what Clapton has done to me at all. I was just kind of more playing devil's advocate is bad enough for me to stop listening to his music. Mm-hmm. But um, but well, also okay. he's he's but also it's still it, the the night is still young. You know, and this is where he could start turning. He's getting older. Mm. And, you know, as you get older, you're not going to change your ways. So whatever you were like, you know, when you were 30, you're going to be even worse by the time you're 80. I push back on that for this. If you don't, if you're not actively engaged in life, I think, and I, again, I'm going to butcher this quote. I think it was Muhammad Ali, or I heard it attributed to Muhammad Ali. If you see the world at 40, same way you did at 20. You've wasted twenty fucking years. Yeah, no, completely. So completely, but but once you get past, let's say, I'd say thirty, I shouldn't have said. Mm-hmm. Once you get past, I'd say about forty, because mm-hmm. forty, a lot of your like your 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 just you're just streamlined. It's like what you what you know is what you know, and if you didn't learn it before that, it's going to be rare that you learn it mm-hmm. after, and it's only going to get exacerbated the older you get. So if you're a crotchety kind of forty year old, you know, a million multi 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 millionaire that yeah. that people call you God. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he pushed back on a lot of that Clapton has got. First of all, and the picture is great because there's a dog pissing on it. Yeah, I love picture, that. Which I love. I love that. And he pushed back on a lot of it. That's I think that was a lot of why. Well, he was this virtuoso. He was this virtuoso. And when he was talking to Steve Winwood when he was forming Traffic. Break free a higher life. Okay, go He was talking to Steve Winwood. He was forming Traffic, and Eric was forming Cream. Um, Winwood's philosophy was uh, unskilled labor. Like he just put his friends together to start jamming, make the music around that. Yeah. And Clapton was in a trio because he saw Buddy Guy at the Marquee Club in a trio. And he, Ginger Baker, talked to him and said he wants to start a band. And Clapton said he wanted a trio because he saw Buddy Guy. And he said, uh, I want Jack Bruce. And, and Ginger Baker went, fuck, because they were together on the jazz circuit. And they were like banging heads all the time. Like, but that's the only way Eric would do it. But what he realized in a trio was like, oh, fuck, I got to start making, I got to fill this space, you know, because it's only three instruments. That's why the Who was so great because of Entwistle. Entwistle was playing, and Townsend said, like a Bach organ. It was filling, the sonics were filling in. He had all these effects on the bass. Yeah. He was playing lead bass. Basically, Cla- uh, Townsend's a good rhythm player because he had to keep the fucking song together because Keith is soloing all over the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Entwistle's soloing. Roger's singing. He's like, well, someone's got to hold this shit down. Yeah. So when Clapton was, he was pushing back on the, on the Clapton is God stuff. And that's why his solo stuff, he went backwards because he was hiding a little bit. He was really drunk, but he was hiding a little bit. I think it was Marcy Levy was the female voice on um, Slow Hand. And they were all... Um, you check. Yeah, they were all uh, musicians from Oklahoma because he was in that his cowboy phase. And he would step back because he was never really sure of his voice and it was all blown out. Mm-hmm. So he would step back and let other people sing. And he said in his book, the alcohol was having him neglecting his duties as a band leader. And he wanted to push back on the virtuoso Clapton is God thing that was forming. So, all right. So this is a good time to ask this question because mm-hmm. we're talking about this guy. I mean, if you think about it, has has had, you know, an incredible career. Everybody he's played with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yardbirds, 
Cream, Derek and the Dominoes, and then you have the solo stuff. Mm-hmm. What is where do you, how do you rank these phases of Eric Clapton? The uh, the, the Yardbirds was I, I I first came of him aware of him because of uh, the White Album. So I'm gonna go. Cream was my favorite, although some of the stuff is overproduced. Uh, Outside Woman Blues, the Joe Reynolds song. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the effect on the guitar. But, okay. Um, Whoever did that, you fucked was Felix up. Felix Papalotti and Tom Dowden. <laughs> no, Who the fuck am dude, I to you say? You know anything? so many names, yeah. dude. No. You know names. I know. You are fucking a Wikipedia page. I that's got come problems. to life. I have a, a lot of problems, Josh. <laughs> so that phase was good uh, for me. Uh, Blind Faith. It's got one good song and a creepy cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that album. Just, but the the idea on paper was great. Yeah, you know. Um, and then the solo stuff. It's hit or miss. I like songs. I don't like whole albums. Like after midnight, I like what was a JJ Kale song. Uh, Crossroads from Cream. That live Crossroads was just blew my fucking head off. Just yeah. blew my head off hearing what he could do. Um, and then his later stuff. Um, Phil Collins actually produced. I think produced Behind the Sun. So he got more poppy. Or he got more structured, is a better word than poppy, um, in his approach um, to music making. You know, there was a, a, what was the song he did for The Color of Money? Uh, it's in the way you use yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, fuck, dude. Yeah, it's in the way you use it. I can it. just see fucking yeah. Tom Cruise. It's in the way that you use it. I think he also did the solo in, um, I might be fucking wrong, but you know the, well, he did the score Mm. for Lethal Weapon. He did. Let me double check. This I don't know. Dude, you don't know this? No, this I don't know. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know Jimmy Page did it for Death Wish 2. Lethal I'm not gonna spell it all wrong. Keep going, yeah. He he did it for Death Wish 2, and he was supposed to do, Jimmy Page was supposed to do Kenneth Anger was this this film this occultist filmmaker, and he was supposed to do the soundtrack for Lucifer Rising, some kind of wacky. So the soundtrack for Lethal Weapon, and mm-hmm. you can hear it because it's just like it's just it's David Sanborn. Mm-hmm. I think he, does he play sax? Yeah, he's, he's a horn player. He's a horn player. Eric Clapton on guitar, and then I guess Michael Kamen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, dude, you could dude. It's all songs performed by and composed by Michael, Eric, and David. Mm. You're going to hear it. It's like, I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure. Diplomatic immunity. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he did the solo in the George Harrison song, uh, uh, Cheer Down. Right. Do you know the song Cheer Down? I do not. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me just double check. Well, you know what happened when he brought him, while you looked that up? Yeah, go ahead. So in the book, Harrison brings him to the recording studio for the Guitar Gently Weeps Yeah Session By the way One take Why my guitar gently weeps That solo's one take On a borrowed guitar <laughs> He borrowed George's he re- guitar he- And did it on one take And he said in a book He goes I felt George And this is a terrible actor I felt George was bringing me To the session To restore his credibility With John and Paul Because they weren't happy With the songs he was contributing And If you realize With the Beatles After After uh, Brian Epstein died 
you know, Paul was like, we should do the Magical Mystery Tour. And George was like, we should go with the Maharishi. And John was like, who's the Japanese girl? You know, so they were all, <laughs> they were all trying to figure out what to do. And Ringo was like, glug, 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 yeah. glug, glug, glug. Drinky, drinky, drinky. Yeah. Makes me feel fun. So they followed George to India. They, they followed him for the meditation thing. And when that didn't work out, they would, I, I just pictured him in the studio going, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so he brought Clapton. What do we do with all these shrouds now? <laughs> I don't know. It's, we've got so many. Yeah. <laughs> How many more flowers? Reeves, do I have to work? We'll take this off now. Stop the humming and play the bass. <laughs> Put down the sitar. Come on, man. Yeah. Me and Patty got it. I feel like there's a wedge between me and Patty. Something. Mm. Clapton, why do you keep wanting to go get a go to an ice cream social with Patty? <laughs> Eric's here again. <laughs> again. All right, here. Let's wait. Do you have more to talk about? No, with so, that? That, so he brought him in. It was one take. Yeah. And he, and he felt like. Uh, Clapton said he felt like George brought him in to like to, to say, okay, look what I can do. I can get this guy to play. For Cheer me. down. It's one of my favorite George Harrison songs. It's written in the mid or early nineties, I mm -hmm. guess. But that's the time that 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 uh, Lee Who Weapon Two came out. It is Clapton on guitar. If you haven't listened to it. Let's we we mentioned her. We've we've joked around about her. We must talk about Patty Boyd. Patty Boyd, wonderful tonight. So I'll give you a little scoop on this. Uh, Fleece Army Clapton wrote "Wonderful Tonight" in '76 while waiting for his girlfriend and future wife Patty Boyd to get ready for a night out. They were going to be they were going to a Buddy Holly tribute that Paul McCartney was putting together. Patty retold the story in 2008 that Clapton was sitting around playing his guitar while I was trying on dresses upstairs. I was taking so long and I was panicking about my hair, my clothes, and everything, and I came downstairs expecting him to be really upset to me, but instead he goes, listen to this, and on March 28, 1979, the day after they were married, Clapton brought Patty on stage and sang this to her at her show, at his show in Tucson, Arizona. So, I got a different version. Hit me. From the book. No, uh, book. They, yeah, please. From his book. He, he, his, the house was called Hurtwood. He bought this house called Hurtwood. Yeah, when you were that rich, your house has a name. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. My, my <laughs> house has a mortgage. There's no name. It's just a fucking mortgage. Um, so he's, the house is called Hurtwood. She's upstairs. He's downstairs playing. Yeah. And, and he goes, in the book, I've had enough. I went upstairs. I go, look, you look wonderful. Please don't change again. We have to go because we're going to be late. He went back down, picked up the guitar. He goes, and I wrote it in 10 minutes. And I wrote it out of anger and frustration. And he didn't think he had anything. Okay. So then he's traveling with Ronnie Wood. And they're doing a lot of... Uh, they, 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 Ronnie Wood had this idea to do Ronnie Wood's passing show, which was like a, a train in a circus. You just go to a town, you set up, and hopefully you make enough money to break even. Yeah. Never fucking worked. So they're hanging around, they, they, and he starts playing this song, and Ronnie likes it, and he's like, oh, I guess I got something here. And that's, you know, he did the song, and he did play it for um, Patty. He used to bring her on stage during that leg of the tour, Texas, San Antonio and stuff. Uh, and then when she, she, then he sent her back to, he sent her back to the UK. He goes, you have to go home. There's no women on tour. And he just went out drinking and really and drinking and getting girls again. So, so if you, do you know the full story of yeah. basically of I how know, they, I know a story. What's tell me the story, dude, by the way, you're killing this. You Thank are you. killing this. Thank like, you. I don't know. I played the guitar. This I mean, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, you know. Let me grab the guitar. Let's let's let's, let's jam. Let's I jam the, for the, the next hour. I'm the beginning of every good bar. I'm a <laughs> yeah. bar band guitarist. I'm saying okay. 
That's I know this spot. Do you play? Do you I, play I, like uh, like out and stuff? No, like on I stage? haven't. I haven't played in years. Would you? I played in college. We were in a bar band. I, I'll book you on the goddamn comedy jam, the okay. music comedy where you have to sing and and. Play. I have a strat. I have a craft so, and strat in my. In my so what we'll do book. is what we could do is we could pick a song where mm-hmm. you could you it could either I if you want to sing it I'll sing it and mm-hmm. you just shred on guitar. Okay, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll do it. But yeah, it just we if, it's we're wasting an opportunity if we don't do it. Excellent. All right, so tell me your story about how how. George, George lost Harrison, Patty. George Harrison meets Patty Boyd during the set of Hard Day's Night. She's in the background. You could see it. She's in the train scene. Yeah. Right? They be, they, 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 they get married. Clapton uh, is is George's... Um, Best friend, right? Yeah, well, they became friends. They became friends. And he, Clapton actually pissed George off because he gave him uh, an acetate of the White Album before it was released. And Clapton was touring the States and was playing it for people. And he thought he was doing, he was playing it for, he goes, so you thought he was helping, you know, playing it for the music people. And George called him up and goes, you fucking idiot. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> um, so he, Clapton always felt guarded around him after that because he, he didn't know any better. Yeah. Uh, but then, then they became friends after that. So they're hanging around. And um, George, is, he's a beetle. You know, so he's losing interest in the wife. Yeah, they, they, he kind of knew that. So he was losing interest. They were. They were. Or is it? Because this is Clapton saying that. Don't yeah, forget. This is, yeah. This is <laughs> again. This is according to the book and what what I know. Yeah. So they become uh, friend. He's hanging around, and I think he actually said something to Patty that he had feelings for, and I think she said well, that's nice. Oh, he was doing heroin at the time. He said, "If if you don't leave George and come with me, I'm I'm going to become a heroin addict," which he already was. Yeah. And uh, nah. <laughs> she's like, "All right, yeah. dude, I gotta go, pal." So, so they don't see each other for a while. And if you think about Patty Boyd, George wrote something about her, dude. I, I pulled up uh, the songs. Mm-hmm. This is this is how many songs that have been written about Patty Boyd, and this and how many of these are incredible. So you got mm-hmm. "Wonderful Tonight." Mm-hmm. Uh, why does love got to be so sad by Derek and the Dominoes? Great. Song. You have, uh, I'm just doing all the Clapton ones. Mm-hmm. She's waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Layla, mm-hmm. which was the first one that I think he wrote for. Yep. Uh, then you have Bell Bottom then, Blues, I think is about her as well. I don't have that one on here, but I've got For You Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Need You, which is off of, um, Help, we just did that with Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. It's all too much. That's another Beatles song. And then something. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've, I've been told, I've, I found the article that there were 11 songs total, mm. which, you know, for the, for the most part, something wonderful tonight and Layla. No wonder she went with Eric. He was writing way better songs than oh, fucking so, George was. So he plays the album. Yeah. He brings her over, right? He, they finished doing Derek and the Dominoes. And he brings her over to play of the album, and that, I think that's when he said, "If you don't, you don't. If you don't leave him, I'm going to become a full blown heroin." He goes, "Hey, thanks for the song. I gotta go." She's like, "I'm getting out of here." Yeah. So then, how did they get together? Eventually, um, they got, they got together, um, and I gotta remember. Ex- I don't remember the exact situation, but there was a point where okay, they were dating. They didn't get married till 70, 79. 78, 79. 78, 79, yeah. yeah. There was a there's, in the book is a great scene. He's like. He's sitting with George. Eric and George are sitting at, at Hurtwood in, in, the, in the great room at Hurtwood. And George goes, well, I guess I better divorce her. And Eric says, if you divorce her, I have to marry her. So, because they weren't divorced. They just, they just left, you know, he, she just went over. And what did George say? Again, he's a beetle. His world is different. I, but, that, that, but don't you still like, regardless of how famous you are, right. it's like ego, stuff like that. I mean, unless they were done, done. 
which I think they were. Oh, this is this is what happened once while they were still married. I'll give you an example. This when they were still married, George and Patty. In the book, he says he he goes to Eric. He goes, "Why don't you uh, spend some time with Patty so I could spend some time with her sister?" So, okay, right, just, know, damn George, you player. You know if that was well to quote. The great Jim Jeffries, mm-hmm. Patty Boyd must have some good pussy. Got it. You know, to, to be able to have that many songs. About it's probably got a tongue in it. The, the guys, once they met her, once they had sex with her, they mm-hmm. were gone. That's like, it. That was it. She's all nine muses. She's, and the thing is, she's, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a dip here, but mm-hmm. she's not like the most gorgeous woman in the world. Yeah, but there's essence, there's like, it's like, it's. There's a thing. It's like when my guitar teacher said, "How do I get that sound? That's not that. Sound. It's not an amp. That's his soul. You know. There's just a being. Lekka, what are you doing? Lekka. Show the fuck out. Watch. I, I've stopped showing the dog affection. She, now she's growling. She's like. She's like. No, dude. She was like. Yeah. She heard you dissing Patty. Is that it? Yeah. She's. She's. She's Team George. Mm-hmm. She's not Team Clapton. So yeah, I mean, there's the essence. Like people just have an essence. You sure. Know, you know? I, I get it. No, I get it. But I mean, plus it's the '60s. So everyone's high as a fucking Georgia pine. They're high. They're fucking. Yeah. You know. But I mean, look. I'm so glad she exists just for fucking something. My buddy named his daughter Layla. After Did he that really? Song. Yeah. Which version of Layla do you like better? Do you like the, the unplugged, original? The original? The screaming one. Yeah, also probably. Oh, but I do like the slower one of uh, the unplugged? After Midnight. After Midnight, the slow version of After Midnight. I don't know that one. They, but I, I After know- Midnight, then it, it was co-opted by Bud Light. It was used in a commercial, and it ruined it for me. But it's uh, I like that version better. There's a great version of... Uh, Crossroads on the 25th anniversary album that he did with uh, Mark Knopfler, Elton John, Bernie Taupin were in the band. I think we have that somewhere yeah. in this in these notes. I've that's heard a, about that. That's a, it's a great version. Of that. So wonderful tonight. This peaked at number 16 mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, and in Canada, reached as high as number one in Japan and number two in the Netherlands and number three in France. And in '88, Clapton appeared at the Nelson Mandela. This was this what you were talking about? No, oh, so in 88, Clapton appeared in the Nelson Mandela 75th birthday tribute concert as guest guitarist for Dire Straits. The group became his backing musicians for a surprise performance of Wonderful Tonight during their set. Um, is Wonderful Tonight one of the greatest love songs ever written? It's one of the most enduring songs in my life because it I, it blossomed as I got older. You know, like I heard it when I was a kid, but it, now it has meaning because I'm sitting in that fucking chair. Yeah. I'm waiting for my wife. I'm having that. And then she comes down and she's stunning. Josh, you're going to Google my wife. She's stunning. I'm batting over my head. Yeah. My <laughs> wife is, Jesus, she's beautiful. You got a pretty good IMDb page, bro. Yeah, no. Here's <laughs> how I know she loves me, Josh. There's no money. I know. I mean, <laughs> you, but you're, you're, there's no money. But but also, but, to go with the Patty thing and the guitar, your yeah. tone is fucking phenomenal, oh, bro. Thank you. <laughs> you have a phenomenal tone. Oh, thank you. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like I was just in Aspen, mm. and fucking, there's the most gorgeous women you've ever seen with yeah. these stubby Jews, and right. you're like, how the fuck? Oh, because he's a billionaire. Money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, us us guys that are like you know, five, nine, whatever. And Mm -hmm. we're working with what we got and our sense of humor is like our vibes is what is attractive to, to some of these other chicks. But as far, but that song, as I've grown to appreciate that song, it just, it makes me, I've been in that moment where she's driving me fucking crazy, but look at her, you know, I'm lucky to have her. You know what? I got gray hair on this side. You know why? This is the side she sleeps on. She's killing me. She's fucking killing me. 
You're good. Yeah. But look, I've been waiting. But You look so, wonderful tonight. Thank you. <laughs> you did look wonderful tonight. <laughs> I handed her car keys because I have an aching head. No, you're drunk. Stop it. You're drunk. There's, Again. Yeah. There's a picture in the, did you see the smashed Ferrari in the album? In the album, no. there's a picture of him kissing Patty. And there's a picture of a wrecked Ferrari. It's a, uh, it's a 365 GTC. I think it was a 74. I'm not sure of the year. Okay. But it's a, it's a 365 GTC Ferrari that, that George had. He <sighs> drove up to see him at Hurtwood in that car, and he bought the car. I'm like, how much do you fucking need from this guy? Yeah. But he did. He bought, he bought the Ferrari, and it's a stick, <laughs> and he can't drive a stick. Do you have any old clothes I could wear? <laughs> do you have anything you're going to give away to Goodwill? Yeah, yeah sure, Eric. Take them. Why are you so fascinated with me? Yeah. <laughs> but he wrecked that car. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there there was a bar at the end of that's uh, how in the book he said it's 300 yards away i would go down and get drunk and wreck the ferrari every time i came home he hit the fucking fence that's so stupid he uh, bought a 39 caddy he didn't know how to drive he bought a 30 i never see a 39 caddy it's a strip mall on wheels <laughs> You can't drive that far. He parked it outside when he was living. Uh, it was li- after he left John Mayle. He was living in some with, with a bunch of girls. Yeah, and he just parked. He couldn't drive it. He just parked it outside. I mean, when you have it. that kind of money, man, you know, yeah. it doesn't. You find somebody to drive it. All right, let's move on to lay down, Sally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I, don't, I listen, and if anybody wants to get mad at me, I don't feel like we need to talk about the other songs on the record. These are the three. This is the reason why it's on the out al- the, on the 500 greatest albums. I list. will say this if we're gonna because I, I agree with that. I don't you. Have, you, you know, if you have stuff to add, please add. Um, before we, I mean. You want to do Lay Down Sally and you want to add the Nino other shit? Nino Frisco's a good slide experiment. I like to hear him. He plays slide on it, but it doesn't go anywhere for me. Um, May You May you Never, it's a cover of a John Martin song. Here's what here's my quibble with May You Never. He did, John Martin did it. Um, it's just him and an acoustic guitar, and it's a better song. And he's doing interesting stuff on the guitar because it's just him. So he's doing, there's a slight, you could hear Larry Graham, you know, the bass player from Sly and stuff. Yeah. He's the one that invented Slap bass. Oh, cool! Because he was in a band with his mother, and they didn't they didn't want to they didn't want to pay the drummer. So the mother paid to play the piano. He played the bass, and he had to fill in the backbeat. So that's how he. Oh, came that's up with funny, that. dude. So he's doing a little bit of that. He's filling it out. My quibble with it was he was on the way to taking me to a place because he had the um, the organ in it, and it was the arrangement he put in it. And I'm a sucker for a church organ, a Harmon B three. But it didn't go anywhere. I mean, it didn't escalate. I, if you're going to go there, you're going to put that organ. Give me a chorus. Give me gods. Give me a dude, choir. That's, go somewhere. But that's every, dude. I'm telling you, man. And I, I feel like such a dick having to say all this. But yeah. dude, that is the reason why this record is just boring after track three. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying the other ones aren't good, and I could find something to enjoy out of it. I just was as like, an, yeah. As an album, I went. You gave me you you got everything. my attention, and then you got my attention, and now it's just atmosphere. Yeah, dude, you got me. I'm, I mean, in the sex thing, it's like we. I'm, I am like about to pop after the third song, and then it is just. You know, I'm thinking of like my fucking Miss Schmetz, my algebra teacher, like just like <laughs> I'm, it's gone. My yeah. erection is gone. Yeah. Um. 
it, it kind of bums me out because I really was after those first three, I was like, man, yeah, where's it going? This is about to be the greatest record. I, yeah. Oh no, it's not. I'm going to defend the core. Uh, let's go back to lay down Sally. So uh, yeah, well, no, defend the core real quick. Cause I'll it's defend the mind. core because I think it's, I think it's a great song. My only quibble with the core is the effect on the keyboard. It's a little Edgar Winterish for me. It's like, it's, if you want, if you need a little funk in there, which I think they were going for funk. Yeah. Then maybe a clavicle, you know, maybe something like. Uh, well, uh, supposedly this is a, a clavicle, a clavicle, this, this a, is clav a, a yes, tibula. We, we need a bone in there. This is a rare tibula song yeah. that Clapton performs with horns. Yeah. Uh, Mel Collins, uh, who also recorded He's with King Crimson and the Rolling Stones, played sax. He was on Some Girls, I think, and he played with uh, he played with uh, Bad Company. And it's the first time Clapton's used horns since his first solo record. Mm -hmm. The core. Man, we but gotta his... follow the core. Follow yeah, the but this core. is but it's got a jazzy feel to it. And that keyboard player, it's a, it, I think they were going for a funk element, but it just it's, it, it dude, missed for me. It let, dates, it dates the song. How's that? Let, that yes. Oh, dude, uh, for the, me it dates. This the, those I'm telling after those first three, it's it's straight seventy nine, seventy eight, yeah. whenever this came out. No, but I just it's like, dude, like Cocaine, boom, wonderful tonight. Arguably one of the most romantic love songs ever written. Mm -hmm. You can play it at weddings. Every slow dance. And Lay Down Sally, mm -hmm. which we're going to dive into real quick, is, is I mean, this is like, this is like, you know, uh, brown, not like brown sugar, or honky tonk woman. Mm -hmm. This is like a song that, that transcends everything on the record. It sounds country. It sounds, it could be rock. It's, it's rockabilly. The guitar tone sounds incredible. The chorus mm -hmm. is great. The lyrics are fun. Uh, it, you know, the, the, it's, it's Clapton trying to convince a girl to hang out with him in bed instead of leaving. Uh, the song is not typical of Clapton's work, which is often based on the blues. Uh, I see reading that makes me love this song even more. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, fuck, I'm a fucking stupid face. I didn't even realize that was it about. I just thought it was like some country saying like lay down Sally. Like that. <laughs> oh my God. How many times have we all been there? It's like, nah, come on. Like that's. Come on, I'm gonna do next time I'm with a girl and she's getting ready. Like, come on, lay down, Jessica. Come on, <laughs> come back to bed. Well, you don't wanna take the train to the financial district. <laughs> <laughs> it's late and I don't have yeah, cab money. Yeah, yeah I don't the wanna... Ubers are running slow. <laughs> Guys got a hammer in the subway. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's a crazy person out on the street, but yo, if you want to, that's on you. Um. The only thing is the, the the great rhythm guitar. Clapton ain't playing. George Terry's playing it. Yes, I. So I have uh, Marcy Levy, who we've already mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, let me see if there's anything else. I wanted to rate the song called. So here, this is what I got. Marcy Levy, one of Clapton's backup singers, told Q Magazine how this song came together. We were in the studio one day, and Clapton said, "I want to write the song called Lay Down Sally." So I went into the corner and came up with the melody. Uh, first, it had a little more of a little feet groove, but we mm -hmm. worked it all day, and eventually Eric hit on the rhythm, and I played keyboards, and we recorded the track. Then Eric said, can you write some lyrics at home tonight? So I did, and we recorded the vocals the next day. Uh, this is a B-side to Cocaine. Peaked at number three. That's crazy. It's a B-side. Peaked at number mm -hmm. three on the Billboard Hot 100 and Canadian Singles Charts. This is a crossover country music. That's what I'm saying. It's like this is played on... On the, you know, fucking both. It's played everything. Reaching number 26 in the charts in 78. Clapton's best showing on his hot, on the hot country songs chart. Um, Clapton attributed other members of his band as having a big influence on the track and explained, it's as close as I can get being English, but the band being a Tulsa band, 
they play like that naturally. They couldn't get them to do an English rock sound. No way. Their idea of, of a driving beat isn't being loud or anything. It's subtle. Um, and the song is grammatically incorrect as it would mean taking Sally and actually placing her horizontally when asking Sally to join him in bed. Clapton's correct grammar would have been lie down, Sally. She's in good company. Adam, why did you put this in here? It's fucking English <laughs> well, class. The, the, the beat, Carl Radle was the bass player on this. Carl Radle was fucking great. He was in, he was in Derek and the Dominoes. Mm-hmm. He was in, he was in every day. I mean, he's just a great, bass player he has that that slow dance kind of in and even in wonderful night he's got that slow dance bait that beat in there he really really great bass player i put him there with duck dunn you know uh, i don't know duck dunn donald duck dunn he played with clapton a lot too. okay you know he, he was the bass player in the blues brothers band oh okay with the pipe i don't know yeah this is it's a great song yeah these three songs fucking rule yes i'm putting the core in there i'm gonna defend the core nah i'm, I'm defending the core all right, so here we go. Let's get some random facts about this record. This is the second and final time we're going to be talking about Clapton's solo catalog. We had Joe Satriani on at number... Oh, that's funny. We had Joe Satriani on uh, for 411 for 461 Ocean Boulevard. How did, he, did he like the album? Oh, he loved it. Yeah. He loved it. Uh, and he was... You want to talk about, like, technical, talking about the tone and mm-hmm. the, this and the keys and that. He was, like, spot on. If you're, like, a guitar fan... Yeah. If anybody, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. But uh, Clapton's going to make an appearance again with Cream and John Mayle and the Blues Breakers. As for the 2020 re-rank, mm-hmm. neither of Clapton's solo albums made it, but Cream's uh, Disraeli Gears came in at 170. Yeah, I don't. You I don't, I don't like know. Disraeli Gears. No, I don't. One, I don't really know it that well, mm-hmm. um, and I, I hate to say it, but that's you know, I I really haven't dug into cream and Derek and the dominoes. Um, Here's the thing about cream that I like. It's that they're muscular and funky, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's but, like rock. No, it feels no, like, but it, it feels j- like it's a, more jazzy. It's, 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 there's some stuff that goes a little too awry. I mean, something like, I mean, that's like, that's like iconic, you know, the birth of like, there's no, Black Sabbath if that song doesn't come out. Am I wrong? No, no. You you're right there with the with the intention of the I don't think it was it was written for that. Ozzy called it Doom music. Well write the Doom music. Yeah. You know, that's love, what he called it. Love the Doom. But yeah, that was a precursor to it. That was written with uh, Jack Bruce wrote that with Peter Brown as the sun was coming up and they were up all night doing Coke. Um and uh and he said, Well what about this? And Peter Brown's going, Well, it's getting near dawn. <laughs> it doesn't ties grows tired eyes. You know? There's look, it's the, but everything else I've heard, you know, the Derek and the Dominoes is Layla. I know that for sure. And mm-hmm. I know Cream just fucking everything I heard by Cream, I think fucking rules. You know, this this stuff is a little bit it, it's it's not bad. Well you gotta also it's where he was in his life. Sure. No, I, I gotta take that into account for sure. And it was also after the sixties, the seventies was kind of the exhaust port. It was like you know, you're in the you're in the motor. You know, the internal combustion. Bang! The spark plug goes off. The cylinders go down, and then the exhaust comes out. Like, whew, I can't. Jesus, I gotta lay down. Speaking, put wait. on the carpenters. All right. Speaking of, of which, you because I know you you worked on Top Gear. Mm-hmm. What is the what is your go to Eric Clapton song to listen to when you're driving? I like the core. I'm telling. Fuck you, dude. You're kidding me. All right, and then if if I. The core is pretty good, dude. Or I will. 
I, I got to say, it's not cocaine. I'll tell you that. It's it's not, da, na, na, na. It's, it's just not enough there for me. Yeah. Uh, but Crossroads, a li- live version of Crossroads of him screaming. One what? of the best driving songs is Deep Purple uh, Highway Star. I was just about to ask you that. What's like the, what's like your go-to? Highway fucking, Star. You know, highway I star? also like Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion when I'm looking for a parking yeah. spot. <laughs> You're in a mall looking for a parking spot. <laughs> and then hopefully you see the car, like yeah. the, the car comes, uh, taillights da, come on. They start pulling out, and you're like, (laughs) What is my favorite driving song? Uh, I'll tell you the truth, and this is not like a legend. Well, I think they're legendary for people my age. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Black Crows. uh, The whole album, Southern Harmony Musical Companion. How great is Remy? Everything on that record. I I had a gig in San Diego, and I didn't want to do it, and I was smoking a little bit of pot on Mm -hmm. the way down. And I just started listening to that record randomly. I was just yeah. listening to Black Crows. And man, uh, it, there were certain songs that uh, I felt like my car was about to take off. Yeah. It was, it was it's just. It's the weed. It was the weed, but it was the music too. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I, I'm, dude this is a God's honest truth. I have three DUIs. That's why I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. Every DUI, I was listening to Metallica. Wow. Every DUI, <laughs> I was fucking just. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah. How can you not? Yeah. Go 80 miles an hour in a Honda sure. Civic. You, you got to. I had <laughs> uh, I had Steve Gorman, the drummer from the Black Crows, on my show. He's, oh, wow. His, I got to listen, listen to that. His book is really I got to read that. Everybody's yeah. telling me if you're a fan. and Yeah, and, if you're a fan, listen to the book. He, he breaks down in Japan. He's crying. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, it's really a good book. Great, great band. Really underrated. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I wanted to make this joke earlier. You were talking about all the people you've had on your podcast mm-hmm. and you've gotten to meet. And it's like, and I was like, oh man, like, well, I get, I'm doing a show with Kid Rock in three weeks. That's great. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. In his I, bar. In I, I had him on a show. Uh, he was on Top Gear with us. Yeah. He's, he's, he's from Michigan. He's a car dude. Yeah. He's, and he, it's just like my, my guitarist was like, well, I guess, you know, I'm still excited, even though he's kind of like so right wing red. I go, but that's who he is. And that's who he's always been. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who gives a fuck? It's I'm like, you stop listening to Johnny Cash. No, you got, you got to like, you know, dude, I, I met a girl when I was in, in Texas, you know, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. We, she was hot and we started hanging out. And at the end of the night, I don't know how we started talking about politics, but she's like, yeah, I voted for Trump. And I was like, I could give a fuck. Like, I, what am I going to do? Go, ugh. Like, those people, they're like, I would never. And I'm just like, all right, well. I'm more like, I'm, I'm looking for, it's even like in my, we talk, this is art, separating artists from the art. I make it a conscious effort. And I, it's, it hasn't been that much of an effort because I've never been a social critic and I've never been uh, a political, uh, political dude or a satirist. I'm more of a student of the human condition. So, yeah, I, I can't, my, I'm fighting, I'm contributing to harmony by, trying to find out what brings people together rather than okay tearing look apart. i don't know i don't know enough about the i'm not on the front line i'm on the second line like after, after the war's over whoever's the, the question is going to be asked all right what's going to make it better <laughs> you know because yeah. that's the difference between power and force force is has to be acted upon power exists within you so if you ask somebody a question they got to go within them to find the answer that's my 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 secret God, plan you are a special special person we just, <laughs> i mean that I mean I'll, that, Adam. I'll knock it off. Listen, you know why Adam? My show that's really good. Why? We're fun. If you get him, Billy Gibbons from ZZ. Top. I told you I had Billy on too. Yeah, he was great. He's the best. Is he uh, great? I, at the end, at the end of the podcast, 
I go, man, that was so great. And he goes, man, that was a gas. Yeah. All right, buddy. And I was like, oh, God. Did he make you feel great? He did. He did. And I got, and I did my research and I said, listen, if I hear a shuffle in C, it's <laughs> with a walking baseline, it's you guys. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he, was, he was great. Listen to his podcast. Adam, you're, he, I mean, I'm not just saying that because he's my buddy, but it's like, dude, the en- your energy is infectious. It, it all makes sense why you've had such a great career. Oh, thank it's, you, brother. All right, let's let's get through a couple of this bullshit and yeah. then we'll get you out of here. Uh, do we want to read uh, our pal Robert Christow's uh, review? Because he wasn't a good one. He wasn't very enthusiastic about the album, lamenting how much of the record's best guitar solos were played by George Terry and feeling Clapton had regressed as a singer, mm. sounding like he's blown his voice doing what, I wonder? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know well, if I agree, but yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of agree about the voice, but I also know, and I only know from reading the book, is he was never... Armit Erdogan was the one that was pushing him to be a singer. John Mayall was the first one that made him sing. Made him sing. He didn't want to sing. Um, and Armit Erdogan was the one that pushed him to become a singer. That's one of the reasons they broke up so early, because Jack Bruce was like, I'm the fucking singer, and it's going well. Yeah. And Armit Erdogan actually said, um, I knew what I had. I had the soul of this was coming from Eric Clapton. So they wanted to hoist. Eric but Clapton I, you know, I would never call Eric Clapton like a great singer, you know? No, but I did think his voice blossomed. Sure. Oh, dude, when he's, especially if you, when you're listening to the unplugged versions and yeah. stuff, which is like, it's so raw. Yeah. I mean, tears in heaven sung by like a really Fuck. great singer. I don't think that song hits the same. No. Also, I don't think his son falling out of a window, you know, fucking, yeah, I got to read this Patreon thing. This mm-hmm. is so fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I have to read it because you pay for the Patreon. Justin Nemec. I know you're a comedian here. So stop me. If you know this one, what's the difference between a four year old and a bag of smack? Eric Clapton would never let a bag of smack fall out the window. I'm that's a bad joke. I'm so sorry, everybody. I but thank you for contributing to the Patreon, <laughs> Justin. You evil, evil human being. <laughs> but he, what if I was like, he's actually one of our fifty dollars sponsors. Like, we, <laughs> keep writing him, Justin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not a great singer. But nah. I mean, arguably, is but he? Not, but not what he's known for. I mean, he's, you listen to the guitar, you're like. Like, like you said, you can hear what the... You, you is, know that's classic. Is he in the top three guitar players of all time? Top three? Yeah. We, Depends we, on your taste. I mean, you want to go... But I'm talking about everybody. Let's just... We're doing a blanket thing here. And if you said the argument for Eric Clapton to be considered the greatest guitarist of all time, I mean, does he have the chops to put him up there with, you know, the elites like Jimi Hendrix and... and um, I'm going... Hendrix and... Hendrix just because it was... It, it broke... It, Wow. It changed everything. It yeah. changed everything, and and Van Halen. I would say changed it. everything. Yeah, and now you got the third guy. <laughs> Who's the th- is the third guy going to be a blues guitarist like Clapton, or is it going to be Segovia? Is it going to be a country guy? Is it going to be fucking I think Les Paul? I think you got to go now. I think you got to. I think you need another genre. I think he's a victim of. But the I genre. don't. I don't think that you. Even though you mentioned those other two guys, one being Les Paul, even though he has a guitar named after him, I, I don't think you even okay. put him in the conversation. It's like okay. I couldn't tell you one thing Les Paul's ever done. And Jeff I am Beck. That's that's something that dude people fucking love Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck is different. The guy from Raging Against the Machine. His name Tom is Morello. Good, good yeah. buddy. He's the reason I'm uh, I'm voting on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right, but I'm saying an entirely different approach. You know, I mean, even if Steve Vai, Steve Vai, it looks like when I, I you see Steve Vai play the guitar, it's divine inspiration being channeled through human talent. He's just and Clapton has this too. It's flowing. It's just flowing out of him. Stevie Ray Vaughan had it too. 
He was, and he played with a wound third string. You know what you got to do to bend a wound third string? <laughs> you need leg muscles in your fucking finger. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, but then you get, you, you get, Alvin Lee was a great guitar. I mean, you know, you get the guys that have that feel. Yeah. Albert King, you could hear Albert, Albert King. King. You could hear Albert King, you know, it, it's. Any of the Kings could be in Albert there. King. Yeah. BB. Freddie. BB had a great line about, you know, when he plays a solo, he's like, you guys are so fast with the. I look at these notes as being very expensive, so I spend them sparingly, <laughs> which I thought was great. You know why Billy man. Gibbons used light strings on the guitars? BB King picked up his guitar, played it, put it down, looked at looked at Billy Gibbons, and said, "Son, why are you working so hard?" And he put light strings. I on. love that. That's it's, how. It's, he, that's, that's slow how, hand too, right? That's how he became slow hand. Well, slow hand is two stories from what I heard. Giorgio Gramowski, who was who was. And I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. He was managing the Yardbirds, uh, and Eric could play very fast. And they uh, that was, so it was an ironic name that he gave him. And the other story I heard was when he would break a string, he would change. He wouldn't switch out guitars. He'd change it right in front of the audience during the Yardbird years. Yeah. So the English audience would just start slow clapping. Yeah, I, slow that was hand. one of the things I had, I had yeah. there too. It's like 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 a scene at the end of the coming of age movie where the bully yeah, yeah. claps it's for the kid. Can't buy me love, dude. Yeah. It's can't buy me love. Um, all right, let me see if I have anything else. Hold on. What's your favorite guitar lick from this record? Mm. Uh, it's the solo in the core. I'm going back to the core. You love the core. I go back to that. I mean, the, the, the cocaine solo was good. Uh, was you know, it's iconic, but uh, I, yeah, I gotta go back to the solo in the core. You love the, you love the core. Yeah. Um, all right, hold on. Let's see. We got one more Patreon question. Because we already answered Ray. Here's the uh, thing about his angle. I will tell you this. Back to the top three. I'll tell you this. The thing about Clapton solos when I heard them, they were little pieces of music. They were they weren't just like a re or a reiteration of the melody. You know, it wasn't just a, sure. a variation. It was a fucking event. Sure. So, you know, that was so as far as the top three goes, he's right there. So my my, my answer is he's right there. He's right there. All right. So Ray Engel. Uh, your question, we we've, I feel like we already answered it. Is Clapton really God? I, he's not, because there's only one God, and that, of course, is Tim Curry. Um, <laughs> Alan Jameson. He's uh, a deity. He's, I'll, I'll give you this. He's, yes, he's a definitely a deity. He's definitely up at like Notre Dame and one of those stained glass mm -hmm. things. Clapton was using... So Alan Jameson, mm -hmm. Clapton was using musicians almost exclusively from Tulsa, Oklahoma at this time which had a significant influence on him stylistically. Jamie Oldacker, Carl Rattle, and Dickie Sims all came from the Tulsa Sound School, which included his hero, J.J. Kale. Yep. These guys provided the vibe to his 70s output, and he was as much a sideman to them as a band leader. So here's the question. Without these guys specifically, is it possible that Clapton would not have had the career resurgence that his album and subsequent ones in the 70s gave him? So in other words, is it wrong to say his band were most important players on this record rather than Clapton himself? Yeah, I would say yes, because he leaned on them. He pushed them forward. He was, you know, by his own admission, he was drunk and stumbling through it. And he said his playing suffered from it. So in answer to the question, yeah. Uh, and I would, I would... I would even hazard the guess the producer, Glenn Johns, made the best he could out of it. Glenn Johns also made Who's Next? Because Townsend couldn't see the music. The songs were extraordinary. He couldn't see it. Yeah. You needed someone outside. It's it's hard to paint the picture when you're in it. No, that makes sense. You know? So I would not only would I say the band, I would say Glenn Johns as well. Sure. 
All right, rapid fire, and then we'll get you out of here. I mean, it was so funny. You were like, I was like, this will take an hour, and then we're like, <laughs> we're at, just two idiots. I just, I dude, I could. Oh, you're coming back. Just know that you'll oh, be I'd back many, many times. I want to do a revolver. Right, that's eight more, six more, six, six and a half more years. I don't know. You got the list. It's six, we're, it's, we're it's in, in the top ten. We're in three hundred. We're somewhere. in. This is number three hundred twenty-five. I can't believe I've okay. gotten this far. All right, I ask every guest these questions. Sure. Um, first question: favorite song on the record. I'm gonna say the chorus. Gonna Fuck, piss you come off, on, man. Really? All right, I'll tell no, you what. No, no, no. If that's no. yours, no. if that's yours, nope, I'll let go it be back. yours. I'll go back. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what. I feel like you're just doing that just because I poo-pooed everything after track three. No, you didn't. Because <laughs> I kind of agree with you. I, I was trying, I, but I wanted to give you reasons why. Why is it? No. That. Don't change it. Go ahead. That was your initial knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. Why is the core better than the first three records? Because I've heard the first three records too many times. Okay. I can't, no, I can't. I can't argue with that. Yeah, I'm gonna say lay down, Sally. Lay down, Sally. I was on the airplane yeah, yesterday. Like, I get boom, it. Chicken, boom, jab. Least favorite song on the record. Uh, it, and I, I'm sorry, Don Williams. It, it's uh, we're all the way. It just, it just, it doesn't. And then peaches and diesel. Peaches and diesel. Yeah, is mine. I, you know, I, I, Don Williams goes Tulsa time. Love Tulsa time. I'm going with peaches and diesel. All right, what song on this record mm -hmm. would you fuck to? Wonderful tonight. Yeah, I know. But then I'll follow it up with Peaches and Diesel because, you know, that's when I'm getting up. That's getting it. the orange juice. Like, you good? <laughs> that's when you need a reason to leave. That's like I'm trying to get her to go. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. all right, get out this of here. This will get her out. And I guess I guess this question, we, we've talked about it throughout the whole podcast, but mm -hmm. does this record deserve to be on the 500 Greatest Albums list? Yeah, but I don't think it deserves to be this high. I you think, think it should be D. I do too. I, I think it should be. I, I I think you acknowledge what the three singles it did, and but I don't think it deserves to be in the three hundreds. I, I you know I I agree. I agree with what you're saying. I, I personally don't know. I, I feel like when we're talking about the greatest albums, mm. and I get the idea that sometimes you know a couple songs are so big mm. that they're like, all right, well they make the rest of these mediocre songs you know, a part of this great record because of these songs that are so great right. on it. Um, I, I personally, I think when you, when you're saying the greatest record of all time, or you're putting in a conversation at the whole album needs to be great. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And it has to be great now because of the delivery system of music. These were events. You know, when I got an album, it was an event. Yeah, I remember. It was, I'm staying days in this. I'm looking at the cover. I'm reading the liner notes. Yeah. And the structure of it, it was very important too. Zeppelin Four is probably perfect. Almost. The switch I would do is the end of side one, you put the levy. Because the levy gets gets washed out from uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven. You know, because you, you Stairway to Heaven is just like, oh you my end, God. You see, you end you with Stairway. End, you end the thing with Stairway to Heaven, and you put the levy at the end of side one. Other than that, I mean, because the way it starts with Black Dog, that's a perfect beginning. Perfect beginning. Perfect rock and beginning. roll. Yeah. Fucking, yeah, man. Just great. I mean, so the structure of the album. Um, how would you restructure this? Didn't you say you had that? I had the restructure of how, it. Yeah. How, how was your restructure I would this? end with, you're going to hate me. I would end with the, um, no, I, I would take out, I would put something in the second position after cocaine. So I would rework the um, next time you see her. <laughs> with the story song with another verse I would put that there then I would put Wonderful Tonight then I would put um, <laughs> then I would put um, Lay Down Sally for the reason I said it trails off so it makes you feel psychologically like there's something more coming yeah 
then the next one, you got to rewrite a couple of songs because you, <laughs> you got to write a couple of songs and end with the core. That's what you got to do. You love the core, man. I just tell you, it, it's it's a long jam song that that it's fucking exciting. There's elements in there. I'll give There's you that. No, I'll, I'll give you that. And, I'll give, I'll, and Mel's not... guitar, uh, uh, the, the the sax player, Mel Collins, he's right on the edge of breaking. You hear that sax. He's right on the edge of breaking. He's yeah. taking it up to that limit. I mean, that's just... And Clapton's coming in with this Coltrane-esque kind of approach to the solo to match the energy and take you somewhere else. It's fucking great. Yeah. Like I said, my, the effect on the keyboard just bumped me a little bit. Well, I, I agree with almost every single thing that you've said today. Right. And you, because you are... One of my favorite people. Ah, as are you, my friend. Promote away, please. Anything ah, you want to promote? Yeah, for your... our podcast, it's called 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. A <laughs> uh, bunch of music guests, a uh, bunch of car guys, a bunch of actors, a bunch of comics. It's a lot of fun. Please check it out. Uh, I got a special on YouTube. It's called It's Scary in Here. It's free. So uh, check it out. Give a brother a thumbs up. And I got tour dates on my schedule. Yeah, And, go, and go I really him. was looking forward to this, my friend. Well, what's great was that there were a million records that you could have done. Mm -hmm. And then I just, when we, I was just like, you're doing slow hand. Yeah. You will be back. Excellent. 100% you will be back. And I want to give you a shout out. She said, by the way, will you please send my regards? So Emily Kagan. Yeah. Emily wants, uh, she said, give my regards to Adam tomorrow. My mom, Claudia booked you on yes. Arsenio back in the day and your sister, they, they've gone to see you. And they just, they just wrote in all caps. We love him. Ah, uh, as I do you. Thank you so much. You know who I saw when I did Arsenio? Who? Billy Preston. Really? Billy Preston was playing the keyboards in between. I was fucking blown away. Well, I was, then there's a good question because somebody okay. wrote is does does Billy who deserves to be the fifth Beatle, Billy or Eric? Billy played on more songs, saved the recording thing. If you look at the if you look at the uh, Get Back documentary, I'll I'll tell you a moment to look back. The first time he sits in and he plays the keyboards on "I Got a Feeling," they, there's a shot. Uh, of his hands on the keyboard and there's a next shot of, of Paul's face that's just he just fell in love with his eyes just got so big and he just fell in love with Billy right there with that sound you know I I, I watched it but I was watching it after a after a four day I think I was gone in Vancouver for five days and mm -hmm. then I uh, there's a girl that I've been seeing and she came over and we just we just went right into bed and, and after the first session I was like you want to put something on and we put on fucking the documentary yeah. I hadn't seen it and it's like they're playing something and I'm like oh this is getting getting me a little hot and bothered and we roll over and we start messing around because something's playing but then we forgot that it's a documentary so mm -hmm. in the middle of the song it stops and it's like I'll play whatever you want me to play <laughs> or John I'll, or I'll, I, oh, I won't play at all it's like okay and then it's, it's George Martin and that was the sound that we, and I'm just like <laughs> car car <laughs> This is great, dude. This is great. I had so much fun. You know what was really cool? What? But a uh, 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 fan of the podcast, a guy named Peter, uh, sent me a cup. You know the cups they were drinking out of the mugs? Yeah. That ugly brown and black. I don't know how the hell he found it. He found the mugs they were drinking at it. Really? And he sent it to me. He goes, just thought you might like to have a cup of tea with the lads. I'm like, oh, how, how great is that? He's, dude, a, the, he's the, a fellow geek. The fans, the fans of, I mean, you know it from doing podcasts. And you've, I mean, like yeah. being like, I mean, you're you're you've been on one of my favorite podcasts of all time, the Tony Kornheiser podcast, yeah. which I listen to religiously. It's like the 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 people that love this, the, yeah. the, the five hundred, mm -hmm. your podcast, Tony's, whatever it is. Like once they get there, like they're fans for fucking, and they come up to me after shows and just the. the I always want to quit this. Constantly yeah. want to quit. It. I was gonna say the fucking work. I know the work I put in the mind. Yeah, and this work is and and you, well, it's Adam, it's Adam and and Jeremiah and Peter. They do the majority. Um, but 
it's still because I just listen to it. I listen to the music, and now we just we just talk, and I book people that I that I mm-hmm. that I love and I and I respect. So it's like it's just easy to do it. But yeah. man, the a lot the, of work, a lot of work, just doing a podcast weekly, and it's when you meet those fans that are out there, and they send the questions, mm-hmm. or they join the Patreon, or just come to the shows. It means the world. It really does. And, it, and a guy will come up to me, and he'll be like. You know, you talk about your friend Angelo and how you lost Angelo, and that's why you do this. He's like, well, I lost my son a mm. year ago, and because of your podcast and what you say about Ange, it's helped bring me out of that. And then you're like, God damn it, I can't quit. Yeah, that's cool. It's this kind of shit that brings uh, people together. So keep doing it, man. You're, well, you'll be back. All right, bro. All right, bless you, bro. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Adam Ferrara. Follow him on all social media at Adam Ferrara. Listen to his podcast, the Adam Ferrara podcast. And for all things Adam, go to adamferrara.com. That's A-D-A-M-F-E-R-R-A-R-A.com. For listener shout out this week, I'm going with one of my favorite people. The reason that this show keeps going and we have such incredible guests our booker, Emily Kagan. Emily has been with us uh, since right before the pandemic started. And without her, I don't know if I would continue doing this podcast. Emily, thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting me such incredible guests, for being such a sweet, cool person, and and for just being a part of this journey. Follow her at Emily Kagan, E-M-I-L-Y-C-A-G-A-N. She's at... 374 followers. When this comes out, I want to see her at 500. Hook her and me up. Now, we just listened to Eric Clapton from 77 for new music. We have Philip Sace. I hope I said that Y S A Y C E. He's Welsh and he's Canadian. He's a bunch of stuff. You're listening to the song Burning Off off his 2021 album, Spirit Rising, and you can find the links on our website, the500podcast.com. And we want to play your songs, so send us your songs to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and artist that, that influenced you in the subject line. Next week, we've got our first David Bowie. Bam, 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 bam. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe of the power. What power? The 76 record. What album station? Two station. Gang, gang. So listen to it. Do your homework, y'all.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Next Chapter Podcasts.